This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Mm, thank you, Lord, for blessing her with this bop right here. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, good, because we just got here. This is Stanley Fritz. You can find me on Twitter at Stan Fritz. You can find me on IG at Stan Fritz. You can find me on Snapchat at Dark Skin Swindle, but I don't really use it. I'm also in studio with a couple of interesting people. But before I get to them, I got to get the main introduction, the introduction <laughs> of the person who was in the radio seat and is going to talk her talk all day today or at least from 11 a.m. till 12 p.m. Please let me proudly introduce to you Mariah Hair Laid to the Gods. Yo, <laughs> for those of you who do not know who Mariah is, she is our littest lit turn, but that's not her nickname. She is just Mariah who cares a lot about the work and always makes sure things get done. She is a ball of energy and she's also smart as hell, which reminds me that I'm not that smart. So I'm going to sue her because I don't like looking dumb. Mariah is joining us today to say words and be nice and I'm going to make sure I do everything I can to embarrass her. Will you guys support me? <laughs> I don't. Well, <laughs> all right, you see, that's anti blackness. You're not going to let me do passion. Well, yes. Well, you know what, guys? For those who may not be as familiar with the show, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard, where we talk politics, social issues, pop culture. Kanye, Cardi, Beyonce, usually usual topics we address. And for the first time, Mariah, our intern, who's been doing a lot in the production, will be on air with us sharing her commentary from her very young but intellectual perspective. Mariah, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes. Hey, everybody. I'm glad to be on the show. Um, I'm excited to be here as a correspondent, and it's been great working here so far. So, Of I'm course you input. would say that. <laughs> <laughs> Positive things only. Yes, yes. So, guys, um, and if you know or don't know me, you can uh, follow me on Instagram. I am Selena Hill on Instagram and Twitter. It's Miss Selena Hill, and Miss is spelled with an M-S. Uh, shout out to all those who are watching us via Facebook Live, we will get on Instagram in a moment. And all those who are listening via podcast, we appreciate you guys for downloading and sharing. So we also have a very special guest here as well. Damon is back, brother minister on Instagram to drop the good word of God. <laughs> Damon, welcome back. What's going on? It's good to be back here. I'm telling you, I, I must have did something right. You know, I think they really like me, guys. I think they do. But um, it's dope to be back here. Um, again, I'm D Stubbs, brother minister, Damon Stubbs. You know, you can catch me on Instagram, brother underscore minister okay <laughs> minister with Min an a minister with an a or you can check me out at uh, my initiatives uh, website which is conscious in absolutely so we have a great show lined up we're going to be unpacking jesus is king kanye west's long-awaited album has finally dropped it's under an hour it's a few tracks um he's actually on message this time and we're going to talk about that but we're also going to talk about uh, the larger conversation, which is the prosperity gospel and what the black church can and should be doing to mobilize to make effective change. Now, we know that Kanye has been making rounds around the country uh, doing Sunday ser sermon 
And now he has a gospel album. But you know why? When it comes to the black church, like we have a lot of power. Uh, studies show even earlier this this month that the Russians were targeting African-Americans the most in the 2016 election. That just, again, speaks to the power. And a lot of us are still uh, mobilized and congregating in the church. So we're going to talk about that and on a, from a larger perspective. Um, and also, you know, we'll be talking about some of the news stories that happened throughout the week. It was a, a crazy week to say the less. Um, so Stanley. You're <laughs> what are you looking forward to to speaking about the most before we go to commercial? I'm looking forward to slandering Kanye West. I'm okay. very excited to do that. I am also very excited to talk about student loans and what is happening right now to Betsy DeVos and those folks at Sally Mae. Oh, yeah, that was another news story. So don't go anywhere. And, of course, if you want to let your voice be heard, leave us a comment on Facebook Live. That No, excuse me, Facebook.com slash Let Your Voice Be Heard. You can also call us up at 212-653-69. 212-650-6903. Thank you, Stanley. One more time. 212-650-6903. And, of course, you can leave us comments in and the podcast community and tweet us at Be Heard yeah, Radio. You everything today. I did. I did. <laughs> Look, I had a long night. I was with Megan Thee Stallion last night at Powerhouse. Uh, you so. wasn't working for Jesus. <laughs> I <no>. was <laughs> I wasn't talking at all. But uh, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard. We'll be right back. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. Please be clear. The only gospel rap album I respect is Kurt Franklin. If you ain't talking about the revolution, you ain't talking to me. By the way, I'm an atheist. <laughs> Stanley's just confused. But anyway, no, no. anyway, guys. Kanye West is a coon. That's not confusing. Well, well, Stanley is saying that because we're going to be talking about unpacking Jesus is King. And for all of the believers, just pray for Stanley. Don't pray um, for me. Don't waste your praise <laughs> on me. Stanley. Anyway, guys, so we have a great show. Before we kick off talking about unpacking Jesus is King and Stanley's very unfiltered thoughts about that, which I can't wait to hear, um, let's talk about some of the news stories that made us either laugh, cry, or very upset over the week. Stanley, you mentioned before we went on break, Sally Mae, your homegirl, took her Yo, home. Why are you cursing me like that for? <laughs> she took her whole team to celebrate. On a vacation. Let's talk about it. Yeah, so um, Sally Mae, as you know, is a student loan company. And as a reward to their, to like their top executives, they took about 100 people on an uh, exotic cruise and vacation to celebrate the extra $100 billion in profits that they had been receiving over the last three years. Additionally, the U.S. Department of Education has been getting into a lot of heat because it's been come to find out that they have been working with the Trump administration to stop people from being able to get student loan forgiveness to the point that now Betsy DeVos, the secretary of the Department of Education, may be getting a $100,000 fine and a contempt of court. So, yeah, your loan's looking shaky. So is Betsy DeVos. It's looking real nasty out right here for anybody who owns owes any kind of money for college. How y'all feel about this? Well, Damon, you know, I want to throw that at you. Do you have any student loan debt? And how do you feel about Sally Mae using that money to go on vacation. Yeah, you know, I have some left. You, you know, do? I have okay. a little bit left. Okay. <laughs> I have some left. Um, but definitely, you know, I, I, I definitely think that it is, uh, they're just, it's definitely insensitive 
You know, it's definitely whether or not we know, you know, how the money is or where it comes from. The optics are just bad. It's insensitive. You're not really listening. I mean, it's crazy that you will be that far removed from the social issues of what's going on with the whole student loan debt. So people are definitely going to feel some type of way, especially when you use the word profit and saying that that profit was good enough to send folks away on vacation, you know, I get a little shady. You know, I, that's a little shady. That's a little, you know, rough. So. It didn't sit with me well either. Uh, Mariah, we know that you are still in college. <laughs> How old are you, by the way? I'm 21. Wow. So you are still in college. What school do you go to? SUNY Purchase. What do you think about the fact that they're, you know, Sally Mae, they're making so much money off the backs of students like yourself to the point that, you know, they're making skyrocketed or record-breaking profits? Honestly, it's kind of ironic, you know. It's kind of like they're celebrating putting people in debt. So, honestly, it just kind of shows to me how colleges, you know, it, it, it kind of, it's not even about the education anymore. It's kind of about, oh, how much money can we make? How many students can we get enrolled? So I'm not surprised. A lot of companies do things like this. You know, they celebrate, go on vacation, and they're putting people in debt. So it's worrisome. I mean, this is what they do. This is what this is about. Student loans are not to help people pay for college. It is another way to fa- to get guaranteed, um, like federal back payments back to companies, so you can give out all kinds of money to people with all kinds of interest rates, and no matter what happens, the government will pay you back. And as a person who has to borrow that money so they can go to college, if you can't pay it, they can suspend your driver's license. If you have any like professional licenses, like accounting or legal, they can suspend those. They can stop you from working. And other parts of the country or the U.S., they can actually, if you owe money, they can have you arrested and put in debtor's prison like in Texas where a man the police raided his apartment and arrested him because he owed he owed a hundred dollars he was late on a payment so this this entire student loan epidemic is wildly problematic which is why you know I'm really paying attention to what Elizabeth Warren and Mm. um, Bernie Sanders are saying about forgiving all student debt because it's highway robbery so Claudia actually left a comment on Instagram live on my personal Instagram live. She says um, they need to delete my damn balance. And she says she is writing a letter. This is preposterous. Mm-hmm. I think Claudia shares some of the sentiment that we all feel uh, just because student loan debt is so high. But, you know, to Stanley's point, a number of the Democratic candidates are talking about ways to relieve it. So, you know, keep hope alive, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, I forgot you weren't having any student loan debt, right? Well, no, you don't have to throw that shade at me. <laughs> How okay? is that shade? <laughs> all right. Look, I'm here for everyone else. All right, all right? pay Monique's bill. It's $900. I don't know about that. Should, but yeah. um, moving things along, um, so we also know that one of the biggest topics of the week was the fact that Tank has come out. Oh. I, you knew it was coming, Damon. like you. <laughs> do, do you want to continue, Sam? <laughs> I mean, you can go ahead and you started the conversation, okay. Selena. So we know that R&B singer Tank, he has said that if a man gives fellatio to another man just once or maybe twice, that does not necessarily mean he is homosexual, identifies as gay or bisexual. He was just trying things out. Now, Stanley Fritz, he wrote a op-ed about uh, Tank and the backlash he's getting. Stanley says Tank is right. You can get if you are a man, you can give another man fellatio and not be gay. Stanley, please explain your point, your point of view. Well, I feel like you're trying to slander me in no. some way or another, Selena. <laughs> what are you, Stanley? I am not trying to slander you. Talk about your talk about the op-ed you have. You know, what? I'm gonna let Tank do the talking for me. All right. When we, when we, when we, when we, 
Tank, can you tell her real quick? Let her know. I like it when you lose. I like it when you go there. I like the way you use it. I like that you don't play fair. Come on, you heard that with that B drop? Stop dancing, Mariah. She likes that song too. She <laughs> was like, "Oh, this is Tang." I'm- you're not going to deflect from the question. You're not going to stop body rolling, are you? I- no. <laughs> no, but so, not only that, but you said a lot of people had a problematic response. Talk yeah. to us. So, no, Tank is not wrong. What Tank was like giving oral sex to somebody is an act. It is not based off of a preference. You can do anything and not actually have that as a preference. You could be trying it out. So he's right for saying that. I think um somebody put it very simply in, in one of the comments. And I want to get to my comments because I got a lot of stuff in there from people who both loved and mostly hated what I said in that article. But they were like, giving her as a sexual act. You do the act, but your preference, like being gay is about also being sexually attracted and emotionally attracted to the same sex, which mm, right. you might just be like, hmm, I wonder what all this, you know, t- sloppy toppy thing is about. Let me give it a try. <laughs> that's that's not necessarily my ministry, but I think, you know, if people want to do that, we shouldn't. Also, a big double standard is how many women do we know, Selena, in college who we know had a little bit like they had that one semester where they were, right? Where they were gay. And no one looked at them funny when, like, they had that one semester, they had a girlfriend from the basketball team, whatever it was. Then by the time you came back to spring semester, they were straight again. Well, thank you, Stanley, for that. So, Claudia has chimed in. She says, sorry, Stanley, I wholeheartedly disagree with you. We also are getting comments on our Facebook Live. Arena John says, Tank is right. So, we are hearing from both sides of the debate. I will say this. I'm glad you wrote up the double standard. I think that if if people are going to say Tank and any man who identifies as cisgender, as heterosexual, decides to engage in that act, they're gay or bi-curious. Honestly, I think it's the same thing for women, too, then. Why is there a double standard? Why can't it just be accepted that this person is gay or bi-curious or, you know, sexually fluid in whatever it is that their preference is? Because they could be none of those things. They could just want to try it out. They could just like they could just be curious. That doesn't necessarily mean that they have an affinity. Yeah, for curious, the- but doesn't that mean so? You know, I am no. not somebody who so. is from the community, so I don't, I can't speak to it as mm. authoritatively. So that's why this yeah. is a, a time for me to learn. I mean, neither can I. But I, what I would say is that like we don't necessarily have to put a label on everything. It's just because I tried out this chair doesn't mean I'm chair curious. It just means <laughs> I tried out the chair, and it really can be that simple sometimes. Sarah Reedner gave a comment on an article that I want to share with with folks because like it's a place that I'm not at either. But it was I was like, oh, okay. And as we, I read it, I'll play some more of this tank in the background so you guys know what time it is. Buy his new album. <laughs> all, right, all right, all right, all right. So they Sarah, meant, oh, I'm sorry, Stan, you have the comment? Yeah, Sarah Reedan says, never mind that men aren't the only people with penises. So, yes, a man can suck a penis and be straight because, yes, some women do have penises. Bisexual and pansexual and other polysexual men exist, too. So, yes, a man can suck another man's penis and not be gay. Sexual experimentation is valid. Men and women and everyone in between or beyond are allowed to experiment. Let's keep in mind, let's also keep in mind that the line of thinking that sucking penis makes a man gay is what gets trans women killed. Let's also, also destroy the notion that being gay is a bad thing or something we don't want people to assume of us. So, yeah, I agree with her. That, yeah, like we should stop putting this notion that being gay is a bad thing. That's a horrible thing. And it's a fact, there's a reason why like people in that community still feel unsafe just to be happy around their partners in public. The other stuff I'm still working through. 
Um, so I'm not gonna comment on that right now. I don't. I don't. I don't got the ball in that fight. Well, <laughs> I want to get some feedback from our correspondents. We have Damon here. Thoughts yeah. on Tank? You know, and I Stanley? told you I didn't really like this topic. I didn't want to say anything. But I'm going to say I'm going to say something about this. Though um, I'm not an expert in this area at all, guys. <laughs> I mean, I don't. None of it. None of it. But Fair. what, what Fair. I would say is though, when the controversy did break out, one of the things I did notice, and this could be a little controversial, what I'm about to say, is that um, it was a room full of black women mm. that was there when Tank was explaining this. Mm-hmm. And one of the realities that sometimes I do think about is that there might be black women might feel sometimes like, why are y'all not straight up with us? Like. Mm. In the sense that if you do go that way and you still want to go with me and you're not being honest, yeah. then they may raise another discussion about the time uh, about the down low issue or things of that nature where black women feel as though they get in the rough end of the stick. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we knew that was coming. Um, Y'all know what I'm saying. <laughs> Mar- what <if> they like? <laughs> Mar- they feel like if you like it, then just be honest. Don't like well, come over here and try to play me and then well, go somewhere around real, the corner. Real cutting before I let you go, Mariah. Like, listen, my cisgendered heterosexual black king. What about the fact that because we bash men for experimenting and make men feel weird, that's why they're on a down low and they do these things without saying anything. And then you get caught up in these situations. Maybe if we created more space, they wouldn't have to be like Jay Sean wouldn't be seeing. Shaniqua at seven, but Sean at four. No, I feel you. No, I understand. I understand that, but at the same time, the sentiments of those women. I mean, their experiences. You know, my bad. So let Mariah go. (laughs) (laughs) Mariah, you know, you are someone who lives on a college campus. Why? What does that mean? What is? (laughs) What you see a lot of this. (laughs) (laughs) Mariah, what is your perspective? Right. What is your perspective on the backlash and the public reaction to Tank making these comments? Well, you know, continuing on in the conversation, Tank also said that the art of being gay is being gay, and it's a continuous state of being. So Mm. I took that as, you know, he's talking about exploration. A lot of people my age, you know, younger, they want to explore, a lot of women want to explore their sexuality. And when men do it, it's seen, it's it's something shameful, it's taboo. And I Mm. think that's especially true if you're a black man. And I think that all ties into toxic masculinity in the black community. I wrote an article for you guys on the show. Ooh, shameless plug, I love Mm -hmm, it. mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, I think they just want to, society wants to put men in this box in this corner and you know having vulnerability is seen as weak so we also Mm. have another comment coming in from gregory neesmith on our facebook live gregory says also it is dangerous to narrowly define blast black masculinity the reactions would have likely been totally different if a woman artist was in that same seat thank you so much gregory i think we did touch upon the double standard here when it comes to women as opposed to men and i just want to acknowledge we got a lot of comments also on my instagram live stanley people saying they disagree with you but you know what at least the dialogue is there we are having Mm -hmm. open discussion and you know it's giving us a lot a lot of us an opportunity to really learn um i do want to go ahead i just want to shout out mariah's article black manhood and the deep roots of toxic masculinity i'll be making sure i share that on um in the comment section you guys should definitely check it out it was a really good read absolutely so moving things along speaking of people who are under a lot of controversy lately we know that Meghan markle has been under heated scrutiny ever since she married prince uh, harry um she said in in a a very candid way um 
Um, she's not okay. She has been feeling it. She she was warned that the British tabloids were going to eat her up alive. And in a recent interview, she seemed like she was hurting. Um, Hillary Clinton came out in response and said, basically alluded that Meghan Markle is feeling this scrutiny because she is black. Stanley, do you think race has anything to do with this? Or is this just a part of the nature of being a royal? We saw what happened with Princess Diana. So race always has something to do with it because this world is racist. And anywhere there are a majority of white people, racism will show its ugly head all the time. We should also bring in the point that like, there's also a deep hatred for women because of patriarchy and sexism. So women are always put under the microscope a lot harder. Now, when you include that with a woman, a woman marrying into a royal family where the men are really irrelevant when it comes to power, but they still have to be talked about, and then if she's a black woman, it exacerbates things by a thousand because even when it's not about race, it is about race because you have to be sensitive to that as the directly impacted person. You never really know when it's just like, oh, I hate this, this person hates me or they just hates me because I'm black. Look at what she's dealing with. It's not just about, oh, if she's smiling enough, it's, oh, she looks like a monkey. Her son is an ape. She's a savage. She doesn't deserve to be here. It is absolutely about race. Damon, what are your thoughts on the controversy Meghan Markle is going through? I mean, honestly, it's definitely about race. I mean, I have to agree with Stanley. Anytime a, a black person, anytime any of us go into a majority white space, I mean, a lot of times that's just going to be the issue. Unfortunately, that's just what it is. And I think that they are really exploiting that difference. They are really lifting, pointing out that difference, highlighting it and weaponizing it against her and making her life very miserable. And I think her and her husband have every right. I know they're filing lawsuits and they're going through legal action. I mean, they have every right to say, you know, you don't understand the consequences during her pregnancy. Um, Prince Henry's thinking about what the paparazzi did to his mother and how she passed away and conspiracies around that. But still, you know, I think definitely she... I think Hillary Clinton, you know, was right. Don't don't don't. Mariah, should Meghan Markle have known to expect this? I mean, it, should she be surprised? Honestly, she shouldn't be surprised, and I don't think she was surprised. Um, you know, Hillary's just restating what the black community and those who are quote-unquote woke already know. You know, Hillary's come. I mean, Megan's coming in as a new mother, coming into a family where there are codes and customs that she has to adjust to. So she has all these natural challenges to face on top of being American, on top of being biracial, and on top of being, you know, coming being from a career as an actress that some might not feel fits the role of being part of the royal family. Absolutely. And I want to just add this. Meghan Markle was very vocal while she was still living here in America. She was speaking out on a number of feminist issues. Um, so she, she was definitely socialized very differently than uh, the people who are accustomed to the royal family and those who uh, usually marry into it. Honestly, I think she was surprised. I think she fell in love with a man. She fell in love who happened to be fell in love with a man who happened to be a prince. And once she took on that lifestyle and became a princess, essentially, it's just it's definitely not all as cracked up as I think a lot of us think it is. And obviously being black makes it 10 times worse. Um, I know we are getting a call and before we go on break we do have a few minutes to just address what's been going on with rudy giuliani the trump administration it is like every single day there is trump manages to find a new low to his already low standards uh recently uh, rudy giuliani was um he accidentally called a reporter and left a voicemail Talking about Ukraine, talking about he needed a few hundred thousand dollars for what, right? And talking about basically he didn't use, I don't think he used Biden's name, but he was pretty much alluding that, um, he was pretty much alluding that 
he knows that there's a cover up and that Trump has been trying to get the Ukraine uh, government officials in the Ukraine to actively investigate into the into Biden and uh, into perceived co- uh, corruption. Um, Stanley, before we get to the caller, what are your thoughts on that? We already know what this is. Can we just impeach this man and impeach Mike Pence and get get done with this? Because that's the only. What did Mike Pence do? Mike Pence is Mike Pence. You don't think that he's involved in any of this stuff at all? And then Mike Pence, you know, for all my my Christian friends out there, Mike Pence is about the most perverted version of Christianity you can possibly imagine. Someone who hates gay people, someone who calls his wife mother, someone who thinks that you should be abstinent until you're married and only have sex for a man's pleasure, someone who, if he comes into leadership, is going to be a lot worse than Trump and a lot smarter than him. So yeah, I want them both out. Fair enough. Um, we do have a caller on the line who would yeah. like to let their voice be heard. Fred, let your voice be heard. Yeah, this is Fred, man. Hey, look, I really feel as though this is a setup, okay? I really feel this is a commercialized setup with the prince and the princess because I'm noticing that in, in, in many of the advertisements on television, there's more and more of these serial programs that there's this race-mixing thing that's happening here much more than when I was coming up. And so I think, you know, Serena Williams and so forth. So I think that this is almost like a, 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 a quasi role model for little children to look at and say, this is cool. Meanwhile, she's going through hell. She's going through reality of hell that, that she, you know, that many will face. Because the reality of it is just like, uh, with, like, Stanley, like Stanley said, you know, the reality of it is racist, racist, race, no matter which way you will try to twist and turn it. Um, that's what that's the reality that we live in. So, all right. So, Fred, thank you so much for that comment. We we do have to cut it short because we have to go on break. But yeah, I think you're right. It is the reality that we live in. Um, I mean, it is what it is. Even though we had love, the Lovely versus Warren on um, Supreme Court case where you you could have legal interracial relationships in the U.S. and and I don't know when they made it legal in in Britain. But like, even though that is the case, there is still a lot of prejudice and racism involved with a lot of people, and that's a fact that we got to deal with because white people are gonna white. So with that being said, guys, we got to go on a quick break. I promise you I'll play at least one Kanye West song. But before I show respect for Uncle Tom's sellout, I want to make sure we play some real gospel. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. We'll be right back. Okay, and we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. And again, the topic of the hour is Unpacking Jesus is King. This is Kanye West's latest album. He has been touring the country talking about, you know, going on a Sunday sermon, sharing that with a number of people. He even was here in New York City and went to a church in Queens. Um, And... A lot of people are saying Kanye may even be redeemed at this point with some of us in the black church and in the black community. So then, well, hold on. Hold on before we get there, Stanley. So, you know, I think he was making his way trying to, you know, be, you know, get acceptance again. We know that it was what just last year or a couple months ago when he was in the White House calling Donald Trump his father or alluding that he was a good father in some way. And he's been rocking out with the Make America Great Again hat. Um, so, so, and we also know that Kanye West has also been very vocal and open about su- suffering from mental illness. Um, so he's going through a lot. Uh, apparently, he is a Trump supporter. Apparently, he has been diagnosed with some mental illness, and apparently. Apparently, he has recommitted his life to Christ and he dropped a gospel rap album in the midst of all of this chaos. Stanley, 
as our expert hip hop uh, head on the show, what do you think about Jesus is King? Is it authentic? And how does it compare to other Ye uh, albums and his discography? So I've given the album three listens now. Thanks for asking me first, Selena. Um, when you listen to a Kanye album, well, when I listen to a Kanye album, I, gra- I grade it in multiple ways. So I can't really grade the lyrics because he doesn't write his own lyrics. Um, and from what I understand, it was Pusha T's brother, Clips, who wrote the, um, I'm sorry, Malice, who wrote these lyrics. So, you know. To Jesus is King? Yeah. Mm. So that's that piece right there. So I can't really grade it on that. The production, Kanye West is great with production. So I was really listening to it, hoping that I would appreciate the production. Um, he had like he had a couple of like one or two songs where it was really good. The song where he had the clips on there where he kind of mixed in the piano chords and he brought in the drums and he brought in um Kenny Kenny G, I think it is, with the saxophone that came back with the drums was really impressive. Other than that, I just thought it was an okay album. If I had to rank it, it's obviously better than Ye, which the album was so horrible I couldn't get past the first song. Um it's probably like his second to worst album. Oh, <laughs> Thank you for that honest response, Stanley. Damon, you also have been listening to Jesus is King. Before we get into the politics of it, yeah. what did you think about the album? I mean, overall, now, I'm a gospel um, person. You know, to me, it's, it's gospel adjacent. You know, it's gospel-ish, per se. Um, I do appreciate some of the uh, production aspects of it. I, I was more paying attention to the words and, and what he was saying. And there's some mixed reviews there I have about that. Um, overall, what, what do you mean about the words? Well, the words to me, um, to me, gospel, you know, personally, is the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the celebration of that in all in all its different aspects. And a lot of times I felt as though his his album, the wording, the lyrics, some of them very good. And some other I felt as though it was more about him expressing where he is. It was a lot about him. And, and I guess that's okay because in, in black gospel music, we do talk about ourselves a lot and how God is a part of that. Um, but overall, I was thought, you know, this is okay. This is this is cool. I mean, this is not something I'm going to like put in my top 10 gospel albums per se. I just think this is his personal expression of where he is in life and something he really wanted to put it out there. And that's all I think it is. But I don't think it's like. Oh, this is a dope gospel album. Like, no. Gotcha. So, even when it comes down to gospel rap, like Lecrae or someone like that. like Or Kirk Franklin, you know, who Kirk, really we, pioneered this right, platform. Right, 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 right. Does he, it compare to Kirk? No, 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 no. It doesn't compare to Lecrae or The Truth or any of those other gospel rappers either, you know, as far as even content. So, mm. Okay, Mariah, quickly, what did you think about the album? Well, I don't listen to Kanye that much, but honestly, from listening to my friends listening to it, listening to some of the songs, it seems that he did put time and effort into the album. Um, you know, he the choir was beautiful. He did input some Bible verses. I agree, like, in terms of, you know, Jesus preached humility, but that concept concept seems to really elude to Kanye, you know? I am so glad mm. that you said that, Mariah. The college word, elude? I heard you. Not okay. well, I'm glad that you said that Jesus preached about humility because, I mean... If we think about Kanye's album, the gospel tour that he's on, the merchandise that he's selling, and sort of how this is reflective of modern-day black Christianity, is it aligned with the Bible, with Scripture, and the humility that Jesus uh, practiced? And I say that to ask, is the album and the tour problematic, Stanley? So I want to just point out that I'm an atheist. I'm not someone that believes in God or... I have lots of feelings about Christianity, but I'll also say that I'm also also like pretty well read on the text and the philosophy of Jesus Christ. I'm no expert at all. I just know enough of what I'm talking about to think that I have an opinion. Feel free to push back on that. I would disagree. 
with that this is not in line with the gospel of Christianity of Jesus Christ at all. It's way too self-centered. It's way too self-serving. And Jesus, one of the things that reason he got killed was because he was calling out the elite and the super rich. He would go into temples and start knocking stuff over and be like, how is this helping the poor? How is this helping anybody? Kanye West is selling a, a, a flight jacket that says Holy Lord for $450 and Jesus is, is Savior for $50. That's not like that goes against the basic principles of Jesus Christ, from what I read at least. Brother Minister, chime in. I mean, honestly, I mean, I can go back and forth there. There is some excessiveness, you know, of wealth and things of that nature when it comes down to some of our Christian artists. But on the other hand, I also want to make sure that now this is not beyond Kanye, but there, the normal Christian artist has not taken a vow of poverty either, and I don't think they're expected to take a vow of poverty or to be poor and never sell merch or never put their words works out there and just give everything away for free. I think there's an art to it as well. Now, Kanye selling something with the Lord's name on it for five hundred dollars, and yeah, I might give that a side eye per se. Um, but I also don't think that we swing from one extremity to the other to to assume that because I'm Christian or an artist that I can't never have merch or that I, I am not to have product or I, I can't sell a book or you know I can't you know sell a shirt or something like that that has some crazy phrase on or something like that but i do understand that jesus definitely the poor the oppressed and mm-hmm. and things of that nature to to help them but i also don't think that as a christian i'm taking a vow of uh, poverty as well that i am to also hone my skills and i can also monetize my gifts to to provide us to provide a way for myself so mariah is kanye exploiting christianity for his own personal gain Honestly, I don't know what's going on in Kanye's mind. I don't think anyone knows what's going on in Kanye's mind but Kanye. And who am I to judge if he actually believes in this faith? You know, I mean, he said he believes himself to be a born-again Christian called by God to do this work. And who am I to doubt that? But in terms of exploitation, I definitely think he is. He's a musician. He's an artist. He's using Christianity, you know, to gain some profit. It's not really a separation between the two in this uh, circumstance. But um, I'm not going to judge his belief. Mm. Fair enough, Stanley, before I break. I can't take this man seriously at all. He's the really? same person who's still dropping, busting it wide open and getting on his knee for Donald Trump and the Trump administration. He just said at Howard University, well, if the slavery is back, let's not all stand in the same place. And it said that he was persecuted for supporting Trump. He called Trump his daddy. That's like, come on, like let's, let's be really honest about who we're dealing with over here. And it's not just Kanye who's using Christianity to, to, to secure the bag. I would say T.D. Jakes, Joel Orstein, and all these other televangelist preachers are are just about that money. I wouldn't say T.D. Jakes, but well, that's well, another thing. Um, well, like, tell me more <laughs> when he puts out 17 different books about how the Lord loves you and you got to love the Lord back to make money. Yeah, but let's talk about, but let's talk about, but let's talk about the money he's, Let's talk about the money he's given to his reentry programs. Let's talk mm-hmm. about the money he's given or the, all the social programs that he's instituted. Let's talk about T.D. Jakes having a separate enterprise away from the ministry where he himself is just a creative when it comes down to music or film or things of that nature that he has done separately. And this is not me standing yeah. up for T.D. Jakes. I don't want I just don't want I just don't want you or people to think that because a Christian or a pastor or a Christian leader is making money or has money that they're somehow is using Christianity to secure the bag. And I do think many of them are but you know selena's making me go to break but i got lots of feelings about this and we're gonna talk about (laughs) it because there is something called the prosperity gospel and for some people it is very controversial so we're gonna define that and we're gonna talk about how is kanye on this same prosperity gospel pathway and if so is it problematic this is let your voice be heard god is king we the soldiers
And we are back. Stanley, what song was that from the Jesus is King album? That was Salah. Salah. Yeah, that's the one song. That that song, the clip song, the two songs that I really enjoy. This song because of the drums, where the drums come in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was definitely Kanye Way-ish um, in his way of, of spinning the gospel. But, you know, before we went on break, we were talking about the gospel prosperity. This is a word or a phrase that I don't know if how many of us are actually familiar with it. Um, Stanley, how do you define prosperity gospel? So it's actually called prosperity theology. And mm-hmm. I'm going to read that. And if it's okay with y'all, also read the um, liberation theology definition, too, so we know the difference. Is that okay? Yes. All right, cool. So the prosperity theology, um, sometimes referred to as the prosperity gospel, the health and wealth gospel, the gospel of success or seed faith, is a controversial religious, religious belief among some Protestant Christians who hold that financial blessings and physical well-being are always the will of God for them, and that faith, positive speech, and donations to religious causes will increase one's material wealth. Prosperity theology views the Bible as a contract between humans and God. If humans have faith in God, he will deliver security and prosperity. Prominent leaders in the development of prosperity theology include E.W. Kenyon, T.D. Jakes, Oral Roberts, Robert Tilton, T.L. Osborne, Joel Orstein, Creflo Dollar, Kenneth Copeland, Reverend Ike, and Kenneth Hagen. In liberation theology... Was that clear, guys, before I Yeah, that, so basically what Stanley is saying, the prosperity gospel is also known as the health and wealth, wealth gospel. It means that if you are committed to Christ and you pray, you are guaranteed health and wealth. And this is a message, again, that and is preached amongst, you know, some of our most pros, uh, 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 popular and esteemed uh, preachers. Yeah, and it's a little bit more than that, but yeah, that's a good synthesis of it. Liberation theology is a synthesis of Christian theology and socioeconomic analysis, often based in far-left politics, particularly Marxism, so you can get why I like it. The emphasis, social concern for the poor and political liberation for oppressed people. So in the 1950s and 60s, liberation theology was a political praxis of Latin American theologians like Gustavo Gutierrez and Leonardo Broff. It was also in the use of Martin Luther King Jr. and a lot of the SNCC activists. Liberation theology could be interpreted as an attempt to return the gospel to the early church where Christianity is politically and culturally decentralized. So that's the two definitions for you guys. In layman terms, Stanley? Um, Liberation theology And what was, you mentioned Dr. King. Yeah, liberation theology is more so censoring, the, like, using the word of God and that issue to, like, show how, like, poverty and, like, egregious wealth is a, is a sin. And, like, we should be fighting for the lowest of all of us. So, like, that's the theology that, like, Jesus Christ, mm. in theory, would have supported from, like, what we've seen in the New Testament and the way that he re- reacted to extravagant wealth. And Dr. King... That he used liber- libera- excuse me, liberation theology, like that was what drove the work, and that's why like his church and other churches were so involved in the civil rights work because they felt it was a part of their duty as a pastor and a person of faith to like walk in this light. And prosperity theology um, is not like generally is not it's, as engaged in those spaces. No, and, and and I think that the reason why we bring this up is because. You know, even if we take it back to the Bible, I mean, there are a number of scriptures that talk about prosperity and poverty. I mean, the Bible says that it is harder for a rich man to get into heaven than it is for a camel to get through a needle's eye. I mean, if you read the Bible, to me, Jesus is a socialist. He is constantly talking about taking or or sharing, distributing wealth. He is constantly, you know, uh, he was constantly... um, meeting and sitting with those who were uh, deemed as the lowest of society. I mean, he seemed like he he was not about 
the the rich life, the elite life, he was actually calling those out. So, I mean, how does that align with the gospel today? Well, I can definitely say this, that, I mean, when we do talk about Christ, I can agree with you that definitely Christ definitely, you know, is coming, you know, Spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach the gospel unto the poor. You know, he, I'm, I'm here. I have the Holy Spirit to work on behalf of the poor, of the oppressed, the disenfranchised, those who are the most vulnerable. That's why he talks about the orphan and the widows in that society. They are the most vulnerable among society. So I get that. But at the and at the same time, though, I don't think that Christ somehow doesn't want to see the rich saved, redeemed and wants to cast them out aside. Also, it is their attitude. It is their wealth. It is their inability to give up that and to humble themselves that will make it hard for them to get to heaven. But doesn't mean they can't get to heaven because we also see the ministry of Jesus Christ sitting with tax collectors and sitting with publicans and sitting with the most astute and the most. And he got criticism for that as well. We have to understand that one thing when it comes down to Jesus, I mean, to me, uh, like Lecrae say, you know, they say Jesus is a conservative. Tell him that's a lie. He's not a liberal either if you think I'm choosing sides, which is pretty much saying that, you know, we can't label him. We can't put human philosophical and political ideology on Christ and make him adapt to what we think. You know, we can have our own political philosophies, and I get that. But when we look at the ministry of Christ, it is not so always black and white. There are nuances. There are things in there that we say, well, he said this, but he also did this. Wow, he did this. You know, he's not against this, but he said tie something around your neck and jump in the river. And at the same time, he's talking about peace. You know, we have to look at it in a broader context. So I think it's important for us to understand that Jesus, the teacher, of Christ is Christ and anybody rich or poor will heed to them. I think that that's what he's saying, that I have a set of teachings that it's an equalizer pretty much. But I can definitely say that he is definitely geared towards the poor, the oppressed, mm-hmm. his ministry, his focus, his outreach for those who society has marginalized and pushed to the outers. You know, we see that in the lepers. We see that in the Good Samaritan. So, Absolutely. But, yeah. but, but David, do you believe that the, the prosperity gospel that Stanley defined and that mm-hmm. we touched on briefly is problematic for the black church? Definitely. No, de- definitely, definitely. First of all, the prosperity gospel to me is the gospel that has been taken through a Western, a, a Western sift. You know, it has westernized God. It has taken God and put a Western filter on him because that's not a global. You know, Christ said go into all the world. Right. And you, when you have the gospel, you need a global approach. So when we have the black church, the black church is birthed out of suffering, is birthed out of, uh, of 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 going through oppression, is birthed out of fire. You know, we're a church that was born in protest, you know, and that. And that prosperity gospel to say that my closeness to God, my relationship with God is based upon my material wealth. If that was the case, then many of us will just pretty much be excluded. The black church has to also understand that we were called to not just uh, wear a cross around our neck, but we were called to be examples, to carry a cross, to mm. nail ourselves, to give ourselves for others. Even at the Last Supper, you know, Jesus talks about raising the bread saying, this is my body. He's breaking and he's giving it, you know. Stanley, quickly before we move along. But even if we're talking about the American black church, you're still you're still talking about American black church that came up with the ideology of Christianity through the interpretation of Western white civilization. Because if you want to talk about another black church, Ethiopia, where Christianity was at before it was on American soil, Definitely. that's not necessarily the interpretation. So I want I want to push back a little bit just because like even in the black church, the ideas have been deeply influenced by like the way that the white worldview sees I it. Uh, 
I'm just real quick. I'm sorry, but I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. First of all, when we talk about the black church, it is a very uh, weird statement to say in 2019 because there's a difference between the black church as an institution and black Christians or Christians going to a place where black people gather yeah. and worship Jesus. That's totally different. And I definitely understand that, that before Christianity hit American soils and came to the plantation, we were Christians. We were Christians in the book of Acts. I mean, Christianity was in Africa, you know, um, years and years before it even came to the shores. Um but at the same time, just to be clear, I also think that even in our history, black folks, when they took when you have a Nat Turner, when you have a, a, a Harriet Tubman, when you have individuals that took that Bible, took those songs, took the scripture and did not use them like master said to use them. We've always risen above that. We've taken that and made that our own because we believe that Christ had a message for us. So I'm not sure if I can sit there and say that the black church's theology that we have now is simply a version of what white folks gave us. I, I I don't think that. Well, very well said. Um, (laughs) Well, and yeah, we will have to uh, table that for now. Mariah, I do want to get you back into the conversation. You know, you know, Damon, you made a you know, you made really good points about uh, mobilizing the black church, you know, somewhere in everything you said. And that's why I wanted to ask you, Mariah, what needs to be done to mobilize the black church to make effective change in the community? And even those who, you know, may not be part of the black church, but maybe call themselves Christians or maybe call themselves believers, maybe uh, appreciate Kanye West's Unpacking Jesus album to a certain degree. How can we all come together and make change? I think that a lot of black churches sometimes have to, you know, fit in with the younger generation. You know, Kanye is bringing in a lot of younger people who are curious about Christianity. And sometimes I think that sticking so true to traditional values kind of has its cons. So I think if, you know, we bring in more younger people who are actually interested in Christianity and bring in music and those who don't have these controversial ideas, oh, are you really a believer? Are you really not a believer? But if we support those who who truly believe and who really want to help their community, I think that we can rally around the younger generation. Stanley, um, we are wrapping up the show. I want to get your final thoughts again on Jesus is King uh, the problematicness of uh, pro- uh, prosperity gospel, and again, moving forward, what needs to be done? Because we are a large collective of black believers. What needs to be done so we can mobilize to get change? Jesus is King is nothing but a karaoke album for a problematic poverty pimp named Kanye West. Uh, I don't question that maybe he feels like he's saved and God is in his life, but I am pretty sure that he is also using this to exploit people and to make money because that's the only thing that he knows how to do. And I think that if you really want to have true Christianity and you really want to have a, have a space where everyone can fit into the religion, you need to get away from this iteration of Christianity that is hyperjudgmental, does not care about poor people in a real way, does not give them real solutions, and has a deeply paternalistic point of view on the way that we should live our lives that's just me but i'm an atheist who's over the religion so take it how you want so my son general actually left a comment on instagram live he says it's a double-edged sword success health and prosperity are the things everyone wants so to not attribute that success to your diet would be confusing very interesting statement there damon we are wrapping things up i want to get your final thoughts as someone who is part of the black church even a leader within the modern day black church what needs to be done so we can make the changes we need in our communities i mean i I definitely think that we definitely need to look back at many of our roots to ensure that we stay 
focus on the purpose and keep our community in, in line. But just real quick, as thinking about Kanye, I will say this, that the black church can remain critical, that we can still speak up. We can critique Kanye's words at the same time, disciple him. You know, that is a strong word in our faith tradition is that when someone's new in the faith, that they're not mature, that they need to be discipled. And I think we will make a mistake if we throw away him completely even if he is new in the faith, he can be critiqued. We can say, dog, you need a history book or brother, you need an African-American history class. And what you're saying is completely problematic. But your faith, let's talk about that as well. And let's help you with that. Let's help you grow with that. And I'm nervous about who's around Kanye uh, helping him grow, helping him disciple. Are there um, people who have a white supremacist view of theology that's helping him, that's discipling him into Christ? I think that's very important because whoever does that is going to have their fingerprints on you. So I would just say you know and i and just also quickly um i know we kept on talking about kanye exploiting christianity but i'm going to say something controversial i also want to make sure that the church isn't exploiting kanye i also want to make sure that the black church looks at kanye as an individual soul who needs help and not say oh he can bring more people in my doors and not care about what he says simply because he can draw a crowd and I can be the lit church because I had Kanye that is very tempting and I warn the black church don't do that because you would do more damage to him and to our testimony if you do not look at him as an individual soul that needs help thank you so much I just want to wrap things up by saying so I, I made a poll right I asked everyone um, on my Instagram has is Kanye still canceled or will you rock with Jesus is King? 54% Kanye is canceled and 46% of you guys said I'll rock with it. I'll say this as I was listening to the album I and listening to his interviews. I want to believe so badly that Kanye can and will be redeemed. I listened to a whole hour conversation he had with Big Boy. And at times I couldn't align with him. You know, when he starts talking about Trump and he starts talking about things that just politically don't make sense. When he says that, hey, yes, I can still vote for someone even if they're racist. And I'm like, Kanye, what is going on? But then when he's like, you know, but I've been redeemed and, and, you know, I'm saved and I'm all about Christ. And it's just at this point, it just sounds confusing. And I think that, you know, for the most part, part, what I think Kanye needs is more prayer than a platform at this point. Let him continue to get the help that he needs. Absolutely. And those around him, like Damon said, please stop pushing this man on the podium. I don't know if he's healthy enough. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, he is smart. I think he is a musical genius, but he's gone through a lot of trauma like all of us. And I think that when we keep pushing ourselves, sometimes... Sometimes it's not good. Sometimes it does more harm, especially if you have a big platform and you have a big voice. A lot of people pay attention to what you're saying and you have to use that power responsibly. And that's not only to Kanye, that's to all of the leaders in the church. What are we saying? What are we preaching? And how are we making the changes that our community needs? Our community has been disenfranchised for decades I'm more worried. I'm more concerned about mobilizing, getting us to the polls and, and just keeping things within our community, keeping it stabilized, healthy and, and just keeping the black dollar there for one and empowering us through a number of ways. So I do want to just wrap things up there. Thank you so much, guys, for chiming in and tuning in via Facebook. Facebook, Instagram, and podcast. We thank you guys. And also, please support us on Patreon.com. That's Patreon.com slash Radio. Your monetary donations 
I, I feel like I'm passing the 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 cup around the um the church the church bucket around. I'm yeah, sorry, y'all. Taking offering. <laughs> I know we take an offering now, but it, it does actually the help Lord us. The Lord tells me there's another twenty dollar bill out there. There's another twenty. <laughs> I've heard that at the church. That's the last church I went to. I, I've heard it as well, but no, guys, that right. that actually helps us uh, with our production needs, and it helps us to support the causes that you care about. So please continue to support us. We'll see you again next week.